What is going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders. I am very grateful to have your attention, at least for the next 15 minutes of this episode. Forward Thinking Founders is a podcast where I interview pre-seed and seed stage founders about their products, what they want to build into the world, and why. We dive into how they spend their time, what's their vision, what's the origin of stories, all these things, so you can learn all about what's coming tomorrow. Because these companies haven't hit critical scale yet. Most of them haven't hit product market fit. These are just early stage companies, and the big question is, what can this be? And in this podcast, we bring that out. So with that, I really hope you enjoy your time listening to today's episode. And I've already done 200 plus, so if you like this one, listen to some of the other ones, like with Imadi Kuhn, Austin Allred, Leah Culver. We have great interviews, so check it out. Enjoy the repository, and for now, let's get into today's episode. Here we go. All right, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we talk to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm very excited to be talking to Farhaj Mayan, who is the co-founder of Canna. Welcome to the show. How's it going? It's going great, man. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on. We, we've interacted quite a bit on the Twitter, and now we get to take, take the conversation to the podcast, which is super exciting. For people that don't know what you're working on with Canna, can you kind of share um, what is it and what you're working on? Yeah, for sure. So at Canna, we're building a single system for legal cannabis farms and dispensaries to hire, train, and manage their workforce. Uh, We're kind of taking bets on two different products. One, which is a direct-to-consumer education platform where workers can hop on, go through courses, get certified, and find their first job. And on the other hand, we have a really cool people operation system that lets these farm and dispensary owners hire on-demand workers and manage their full-time staff. So let's kind of break it down from both sides of the both yeah. sides of the market. So let's say I wanted to get a job in this industry. Can you kind of walk through my like what I go through, what type of you know what kind of process I I go through in my experience um, for people that are listening that might be in that boat? Yeah, absolutely. So you'd either see an ad or a job posting that talks a little bit about Canada University. So you'd hop on, you go through a Cannabis 101 and a Trimming 101 course where you get certified and actually learn about the trait. And as soon as you do, we give you an invitation to our independent contractor marketplace. So when you're on there, you know, we look at your location, we kind of geofence our app. And when, and as soon as, you know, a farm posts a job, we send you the offer, you can accept it and then show up to the farm for your first day of work in the cannabis industry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I mean, honestly, anything that like, what, what's cool about this is industry specific. So if you're like trying to break yeah. into like, if you're trying to break into film or like music, there's like a million different things you could do, but not like, I feel like it's hard to find the signal versus this. No, you're trying to break into cannabis. Like this is where you go. Um, which, which makes a lot of sense for the um, other side. Can you kind yeah. of share what it's like for, um, for the people looking to hire in the industry and the, and the farms and kind of, kind of describe their experience and how they would get on the platform. Yeah. Um, it's pretty simple. You know, you'd engage with us for a pilot and essentially how our system works is we have these things called work credit where one work credit is equal to like, you know, the matching of uh, an independent contractor who comes to work an eight hour chef that day, you know, it's kind of, sucks but you know a reality for a lot of these cannabis business owners is that statistically they see really high turnover so about 60 percent of their workforce turnover in the first two months that's because they can't give these people consolidated access to training you know upskilling and simple things like payroll insurance and benefits 
So we just like simplify that whole process and, you know, an employer can hop on, just push a button, share details about his job and magically pre-vetted trained and short workers show up and do, a, you know, a great deal. And can you kind of take me into why you decided to work on this or what the origin story for Canada yeah. is? <laughs> it's a pretty funny story, um, you know, but essentially before this company for two and a half years, me and my CTO worked on another platform called Fade. Uh, it was a personalized barber booking marketplace. Uh, we launched in Dallas, grew to early revenue, you know, got a first enterprise contract and a pre-seed investor. Now, after I pitched like 295 of them, who's going to come in to lead our round? Um, long story short, the exact same day we were going to cash our check is when Squire, uh, the, the barber booking platform out of New York, amazing company, announced their 8 million raise with, you know, Y Combinator's uh, Series A fund, a lot of the top East Coast VCs. They actually just raised 43 million. Uh, but Square, the payments platform, also launched their appointment booking software and made it free. So we were being like outspent 32X on all acquisition channels. And we're like, you know, we had a great run. But unfortunately, I don't think, you know, I was sophisticated enough as a founder to raise enough money or kind of claw our way through the market to generate traction uh, and, you know, dominate the white space. So we winded it down. And while I was kind of going through the existential crisis, because I dropped out of school to work on that company full time, I was like, you know, failed company, failed founder, literally about four days into the process, uh, my CTO got a call from one of his good buddies in college, Zildjian who's now one of our co-founders too. And he went, hey, Brad, you know, surprise. I just moved from Austin to Oklahoma. Surprise number two, I have a legal cannabis farm here and I just fired my grandma for being a really bad worker. Uh, so can y'all get into a car, wrangle some friends, come up and help me out? Because I needed to get this stuff there yesterday to my dispensary, you know? And I was like, wait, what? Like weed's legal in Oklahoma? Uh, so that was essentially like the inception of the idea because we went up there, you know, typical founder fashion. I was pitching him fade and he's like, Full stop, Farhad, uh, I'm a $10 Supercuts guy, never going to use the app. But then he was just like, wait, is there any way you can repurpose Fade to make like a trimmer booking platform for me? Uh, and we toyed around with the idea of a labor marketplace and it started to gain traction pretty rapidly. Yeah. That, that's awesome. I'm curious, what, um, if you don't want to go into this, you don't have to. But I'm down it, to dive into anything. Was it all <laughs> the same? It, it, like, was it all the same venture? Like, is it still pretty, like, like that that like that ink or the LLC, is it still the one that you set up that, that then I go, you just pivoted and now working in this market? No, we winded that down completely. Uh, so me and Brad came along and then my CPO, Vu, you know, he just winded out his company, Creator Land too. And we kind of got together to work on this. And I guess like one of the reasons why Fade failed actually was because we got stuck in this like next feature fallacy. It's like one more feature for this one barber and another feature for this other barber. And it was a month and a half and two months of development time. Uh, leading to a product that not a lot of people actually wanted to use, just a select few. You know, by the time we got to market, it was too nuanced and not relevant to a broad, broad spectrum of people. So with Canada, we decided to do the exact opposite. We like doc style of Fade's code and we were like, we're going to start from scratch and have an entire manual process doing the management, start off as a temp staffing agency and essentially figure out what the key of the industry is, come up with a thesis and then productize all of our different processes. So it was pretty cool and you know, honestly, I think that's one of the best decisions I made. <laughs> and as someone who, um, yeah. like you mentioned, like, so, so fade, it didn't work out. I have had many things that have not worked out. I'm still, yeah. I would say what I'm doing now, hopefully is the first thing that truly does work out. So Same I, uh, I, um, very intimate with it, with the psychological challenge that comes from yeah. the, the imposter. It's not even the imposter syndrome. It's like, wow, like, am I cut out for this? Should I go back to, you know, whatever, how, for, how, how, with you, since you dropped out of school to work on a company, um, it, that specific one didn't work out. Can you kind of walk me through the psychology that you had and like, 
um, or the mindset and how you were able to even like convince yourself to like yeah. try again versus just like, oh gosh, like maybe I'm not cut out for this and going into something else. Like how would you, how would you get back up and go for another swing at bat when you had such like a, you know, maybe a, some hard times? Yeah. I mean, it was tough, man. You know, I'm a Brown kid, you know, I was going to school to become a roboticist and I had a pretty great track record for building drones and I worked in like labs really early on. And, you know, that was kind of the track that was laid out for me. And then I got into startups. Uh, and, you know, actually when I first like dropped out, my parents had for a short amount of time disowned me and I was actually homeless for like about three or four months. I don't know what it was that woke me up in the morning and I walked over from my friend's couch to a McDonald's to hop on the Wi-Fi and do investor calls like everything was okay. Uh, but one day we got a, we won a pitch competition, got a check that gave us a little bit of runway and then things started to go on the up and up for fade. So when it went down, you know, from like a mental wellness perspective, I was definitely in a really tough place. You know, because I was distanced from my family, you know, the company didn't work out. My co-founder and I took a lot of risks and it was bearing on me pretty hard. Essentially, like Canna kind of came out of that because I was just like, well, I have nothing else to do right now. You know, I've invested my like heart and soul into building like the startup ecosystem here in this company. So why not give it a shot? And then we were just running like small experiments very frequently. And it was like one of them would hit and we would double down and another would hit and we would double down. And then we learned and learned. And then, you know, in just a couple of months, we became like subject matter experts in labor management and cannabis because we went and personally worked at the farms and like understood, you know, that the spreadsheets that they had on their doors were leading to, you know, the bad hiring decisions and retention decisions. And it kind of steamrolled into where we got today. And, you know, it's, it's crazy to think that like we started this company 10 months ago and the situation I was talking to you about happened like not more than a year ago. Uh, so it's, it's been a rocket ship, but that transition was definitely hard. And I'm someone who's really vocal about, you know, founders actually finding like help, you know, especially therapy and having really good conversations with executive coaches early on, because you'll thank yourself so much later on for you deciding to help yourself early. Yeah. You mentioned in there that you, uh, you know, you run experiments, you double down when something works. Uh, and then, then you just keep doing that. Can you kind of walk me through that? And like for people yeah. that are listening that are like, wait, is, is he a scientist? Like, can you <laughs> kind of describe what you mean by experiments? And like, h- how have you learned to fine tune that that cycle? Because I myself, I'm actually like not that great at it. I like, I do do experiments, but it's not super, like it's not like the scientific method for startups, right? It's kind of disorganized. Yeah. H- how do you run your process and your experiments? Yeah, so we give everybody in the team, not just me, uh, the ability to have to one to three different ideas that are new that we haven't tried out yet that they can run with for that month. Um, you know, by the end of the month, we just look at the results of that experiment. If it's working, we double down with more resources, whether it's time or money. If it's not working, we kill it instantly. So that helped a ton because when we started out, we had the manual matching process, right? We'd feel the call. Essentially what happened was like, oh, you know, Z's friends, friends, both of them want to come on and use Canna. We don't have enough workers. So let's put up a Webflow page and throw a Craigslist ad because we can do ads on Facebook or Instagram. Next thing you knew, my inbox is firing up and we got close to like 800 applicants and we're like, okay, now we got to get them to work. So when we got them to work, we saw turnover was happening and we're like, what's an experiment we can run to increase retention? And it's like, ah, actually train the workers. So we started to do inside training and, you know, there were a lot of experiments that kind of led uh, to different iterations. Like we've iterated to four different business models before we even found model market fit. Started out with the flat transactional based feed, then pivoted into monthly subscriptions, then found out that wasn't working. So I think having an experimental cadence is really important for, you know, the first two years of a startup because you're still kind of getting towards, you know, and moving the needle towards product market fit, which is still something that's, you know, vague and arbitrary, but you get a semblance of understanding to when things are working. And also at the same time, you're not over, 
you know, compensating or indexing on something that wasn't really working in the first place. Uh, but yeah, it was interesting though. I mean, like the experiment is the reason why we decided to double down on Candy U actually, because what happened was when COVID hit, you know, we started to gain pretty good traction in OKC, get more farms, uh, and instantly overnight, we couldn't do any more in-person training sessions. And cannabis sales started to skyrocket. So inbound requests from farms wanted to bifurcate their workforce, like use their full-time workers to do all the important stuff. And then have a large amount of part-time workers come in in another shift in the CDC-compliant environment to get it through. Like we didn't have enough labor to supply them because we couldn't vet or train them properly. That's when we're like, why don't we translate all of this curriculum that we have to an online kind of academy where people can go on and learn and we can just run an experiment to see if they still have enough context to do a great job on the first day. And we found out, wow, it did work, you know? So yeah. Yeah. I can't, I don't know if I can get a lot more like nuanced tech, like particularly, but I, I really love kind of having that culture of running experiments and making it a core process, like part of your iteration process early on. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, I have a question that I'm actually going to answer to you after you answer because like I, <laughs> um, uh, it's I think it's actually a pretty pretty important yeah. topic, which is um, you took a massive amount of risk you know when you first started in your entrepreneurial career as did I like and and I am and there's people listening that either just took the leap or thinking about taking the leap and are trying to evaluate risk. Yeah. And, you know, in this case, let's say these are like maybe people that are high school, college aged, um, you know, folk. Um, what would you say to these people who are thinking about like taking a leap, taking a lot of risk? Um, not even like what should they do, but what advice would you give to them or what mental model would you share with them to how to think about risk um, yeah. at the earliest stages of like an entrepreneur's life? I think like the inflection point for me was when I kind of lost all of my ego and became a sponge to others. Uh, and the second thing that I had started to do is just help people without expecting anything in return. You know, those two things kind of turned into this massive, like goodwill flywheel that helped me out so much today. And it still continues to help me out just because like, I didn't do it as a favor. You know, I saw that my friend's company was exceptionally well and I pitched a VC and we were not a fit. And I'm like, well, your thesis relates to this buddy and he's doing pretty well. So I think y'all should connect. Um, outside of that too, I think now there are a lot of incredible resources for people in what I like to call, you know, flyover cities that aren't SF or New York that are trying to get, you know, as sophisticated or tap into those networks um, so that they can get their company to fundraising viability. You know, Y Combinator Startup School is a great starting step. A lot of these VCs write very nuanced medium articles about their thesis on, you know, the future of work or SaaS or whatever. And I think if you spend a really good amount of time while you're experimenting with the idea, or now you're trying to get to viability to learn about, you know, the failures that founders like us have made in the past and made public. Uh, you can skip the two and a half years of misery we went through. Uh, and I've, I've made it like a big part of my mission too, is like underestimated founders, like here and there, like about a fifth of my week, I just opened up my hours to talk to them and be like, yo, this isn't this, this I did wrong. Doesn't mean you can't do it, but you know, hopefully it saves you time, money and energy. Yeah. That's so funny. Like that's, <laughs> There's this quote that's like, um, you know, if you're smart, you'll learn from your own mistakes. If you're smarter, you'll learn from other people's other mistakes. Other people's mistakes. Or something yes. like that. Um, yeah, like for me, um, on the risk front, um, I don't know. It, it's hard. Like, I might not be qualified to say this because, like, I haven't found, I, I, depending on how you look at it, I personally don't think I found like success yet. In some ways, yeah. I have. In many ways, I haven't. 
Um, so like, we'll see if it pays off, but I, I would not, I, I regret nothing about quitting my job on two credit cards three years ago and just rolling the dice on me because yeah. although financially it put me in a hole, it, it, it allowed me to do things that were not normal for the location that I lived in for the age that I had, which now yeah. being a 26 year old, I like, you know, in Phoenix, Arizona, I have a network and experience that like not many people in Phoenix, Arizona, like me have not because I'm special or anything, but because I took that risk Absolutely. when I was 22 to give me that opportunity to get all this. So again, I'm still met in debt. Yeah. You know, I'm not wealthy. <laughs> I, 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 um, I feel that. I, but I think that um, I have a good feeling about the future. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think like, like personally, you've probably grown so much in a very short amount of time, right? I, I started working on companies when I was 20. And I think like the, the weird maturity that I got, you know, I'm only 23 right now in that short amount of time. And like my like understanding of a lot of the different moving parts in the universe are so much more nuanced. Uh, I'm really grateful I took that risk. I regret nothing. Would I do it again, you know, in the next four years? Absolutely not. <laughs> but that was an incredible learning experience. I met so many amazing people. And I really think like my network has become a lot more powerful than a lot of other people my age, you know, um, you know, from our investors to my co-founders to people who are excited to work for our company today. Uh, and it's really good to see it's like something that you're building is actually meaningfully impacting somebody else's lives. And, and I think that's a very rare form of happiness. Most people aren't able to get to, and I'm glad I'm here now, you know? So for sure. It's all about how you get yeah. here. I mean, you with forward thinking city, you're helping people across the world, you know, access, you know, educational resources pertaining to startups that they otherwise won't be able to. Well, I definitely think that I have, it's been a, a journey. It's not honestly in the long tail. It hasn't even been that long. It's only been like, I know. like, Feels like I, forever. I, I've been, I've been, like, I started my interest in startups yeah. about five years ago. So, so, so for eight years, I was like a musician guy and, and about five years ago, I'm like, Oh, like startups are interesting. And that, yeah. and then my first company was three years ago. And like, so I think that for the first time though, in five years, I found the thing that like yeah. I'm I'm pr it's pretty much like I'm really good at it and it doesn't feel like work to me and it's good for the world and that's like the I, I, the ikaki there's yeah. like a you know whatever it's called ikigai so, I think that's what yeah it's that's ikigai. that's yeah. that's right um so it's good it's good so in regards to um yeah. to to Canada so let's say you you know you keep going it keeps growing it keeps working out what would you say you know the next ten years looks like for you or I guess in other words what's the big vision for Canada yeah, I mean, we want to build like, you know, the single source of truth for people working and employing people in the cannabis industry. And I think because of how overregulated underserved the marketplace is, it's very hard to bridge a lot of transparency between state and, you know, individuals. Um, and if we can kind of consolidate access to all of these things that help people build equity and wealth, that's a win, you know, starting with becoming like the standard for education. And on the other side, building infrastructure that helps you know, even the people who were oppressed by the war on drugs build equity and wealth in the space. So personally, that's something we're passionate about. And I think this is an industry that's going to skyrocket to growth and a lot of the other kind of subdued uh, marketplaces are going to start to open up too with like psilocybin getting into actual medical trials and MDMA treatment being, you know, considered for certain kind of you know, mental illnesses. And I think there's a lot of opportunity to create jobs and happiness for people. And if we can be a core part of that, that's, you know, success for me. Um, but yeah, it's been interesting though. Like we we're like about to, I guess this is the first time we're dropping it, but like can I use beta version is coming out early in the spring next year. 
and we're working with Jason Pinsky, who is uh, the executive producer for Bang Appetit and Weedikit on Vice. Uh, and then a guy who like directed and produced like 40 of the master classes uh, to have like a very like incredible course catalog. Um, so I'm really excited about that because I think like just making it very easy for people to access like that level of high fidelity education. They're like, yeah, it gives me the tingle. So it'll be cool. Yeah, that's that's sweet. Congratulations on that. On Thanks, that yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's huge. Um, and, and obviously you like, there's some help there, but you'll need some, some way more help, you know, as you go along, oh, yeah. go along, like you'll need employees, maybe more investors, you yeah. know, customers, things like that. So my last question for you is how can the forward thinking, uh, how can the forward thinking community help you with what you're, what you're doing? Are you looking for people to work with? Are you looking for BD partnerships, investors? How can the listeners help out? Yeah, I mean, right now, fortunately, we're in a really good position. Um, you know, we're making our final hires to get the core team together. We just closed out our pre-seed round. Um, yeah, I guess like more than I'm looking for help from the forward-thinking you know community. If I could help a lot of them, you know, whether it's giving brutally honest feedback on their pitch stacks or helping make introductions to relevant investors, you know, I'd love to offer myself as a resource. Um, I guess when Canada U does come out, if you want to spread the word to the world, you know, that'd be a big help for us. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And if someone wanted to learn more about what you're doing on the internet, um, you know, get in touch, find you on social media, what are what are the links? What's the URL? What's the Twitter? Do you have an email? How can people get in touch? We're entering the drop zone. Um, but yeah, I'm at Farhaj Mayan, F-A-R-H-A-J-M-A-Y-N on all channels. I've uh, been very lucky to get that handle because it's a rare name, I think. <laughs> but Twitter, I'm pretty active on there. Uh, LinkedIn, I'm kind of active on there. I used to be a lot more active. Uh, if you ever want to give me a shout, find me there. And for Canna, um, we're at HireCanna, H-I-R-E-K-A-N-N-A.com. Uh, and just that uh, at all channels too. So if you're in Oklahoma and if you're looking for a job in cannabis, you know, we'd love to be a resource. All right. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you so much for listening to the episode of Forward Thinking Founders. If you're sitting there and you're just saying, Matt, I want more. How can I get more? Well, luckily, you can get it at Forward Thinking City. Forward Thinking City is a community for the Forward Thinking Network, right? And we have multiple different aspects of the city. One, we have AMAs. Some of the previous guests that have been on the podcast, like Jonathan Barkle, Kristen Anderson, Austin Allred, come back and they do AMAs with the residents. You can ask them any question that you want, right? You can ask them about fundraising the early days, how they got their customers. We do these every single week with another, you know, really great founder that has been on the podcast. Additionally, um, we have our pitch battles, right? So if you want feedback on your pitch and the opportunity to potentially pitch in front of VCs and talk one-on-one with venture capitalists, this is where to do it. These are monthly pitch battles. So if you don't get in the first time, try again, right? The goal is to improve and get feedback to eventually one, raise, uh, get, get into the room with the VCs. Two, raise capital. Three, so you can get back to your company and building a great startup, building a great business. The last thing I'll mention is that if you were kind of interested in just community, we have our coffee hours and happy hours where you can meet other residents, learn about what they're working on, talk about social things, anything you want. This is a city for founders. It is for investors. It is for startup enthusiasts. It's for anyone that loves startups. So if you're interested in what I'm saying, Go to forwardthinking.city and join the city for $15 a month. Um, you know, the way, the reason I charge is because I want to be able to do this full time and bring as much value as I possibly can. And I think it's well worth the value. You can ask any of the current residents and they will attest to that. So go to forwardthinking.city 
city. Join the city, and you'll see immediately the, the next AMA, the next pitch battle, the next event, and I hope to see you there. Forward thinking dot city. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.